0: morning in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. I want to um, give you a little thought here from John, 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 where he said, John writing to the believer, if there was a verse that you need to put in your lunchbox no matter where you are is this one where he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit but try the spirits whether they are of God Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. He by ye the Spirit of God, capital S, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have... Heard that it should come, and even now already it is in the world. Here I've God, little children, and I've overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to give you a thought this morning where the Bible says, right here John said, greater is he that's in you, but I want you to back up where God said he, he of God, little children, and have overcome, notice the word, them. I want to give you a a thought about overcoming them, what that means, or being an overcomer, I suppose, is one word that sometimes is looked at. But when you come to the Christian life, when you come to the Bible and go over to, just come over, you can keep there, go to Mark chapter 14, verse 2. When it comes to the Christian life as a believer... There's nothing in this life that is obvious that a believer is is an overcomer. What do you mean? Well, the world's definition of someone that overcomes something is not the definition of the New Testament. And I want to make that really clear because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you got saved, you have God in you. You are now the temple of the living God and Christ indwells the believer. And here that verse says, greater is he that is in you, amen. Can you imagine in the Old Testament when those Old Testament saints stood before wicked kings, Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar and and all that in the Old Testament and they were basically Jews of no reputation at all The greater was God in them that was in those kings and so forth. When you look in the Bible here that I want you to understand that as a Christian, the world does not look at you as being successful. They do not look at you in any particular way that they have a desire to be anything like a believer for the very simple fact is that they don't, Understand what it means to overcome, and they don't understand what it means to say that we have God that is in us, uh, that He is greater. You know, there's a show on TV, and I'll, I'll we'll be reading from Mark in a sec. There's a show on TV called Shark Tank. Who's ever seen it? There's <laughs> a shake of head. <laughs> Shark Tank is, you've got all these entre- entrepreneurs, right? And these guys have their little inventions, and they want to get on that TV show, I mean And they want to see if they can convince the shark to take on their product because those sharks have the the means to sell products worldwide and so forth. Some of them want to be some of them want to be big. What I mean is that some of them earn. In in excess of a couple of million dollars net a year, but that's not big enough for them. They want to go global. They want to be huge, so they go to the Shark Tank or to the Sharks to make them successful. That's the that's the world's definition of overcoming. That's not the Christian's definition. I've overcome, And here it says overcome them. When you looked at Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God and our Saviour, is it fair enough to say that on every count he looked like a loser? There was nothing that you would have said about him that you would have said he is a man that's overcome. Yet he had, and obviously he did a lot more than we ever saw because we weren't there, but when you consider the garden here, and we'll go down to verse, um, you get down to verse 32 of chapter 14. I just hope I've got the right chapter there. No, that's not the one. We want the garden. Hang on. It's the place where I won't it's the place which is named Gethsemane. I think it's in verse 32 of Mark 14. Just check with me. It is? Okay. Okay, yeah, so hang on, I might be oh. (laughs) Dyslectic man, I'm in Matthew. (laughs) I'm in the wrong book, okay? (laughs) Um, yeah, Mark chapter 14, verse 32. Let's read it here of Mark let's read this account because when you really look at Jesus Christ there was nothing really obvious about Jesus himself overcoming anything yet he did many miracles and yet he the sign the the sign was that God was with him there was no doubt about any of that but here in verse 32 you consider now we're at that place where he comes now into the garden and they came to a place which is named Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here, sit ye here, while I shall pray. And he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. So Jesus would always seem to be those three we somewhat of an inner circle, Peter and James and John. But I want you to know the Lord here isn't looking like he's overcome anything. He saw a maze, he's very heavy. He said unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. They went forward, a little fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. Remember, God sent him for this hour. That's why he came. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me, nevertheless not what I will, but what thou wilt. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon sleepest thou, couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed and spake the same words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again, for the eyes were heavy. Near the whist, they wot to answer him. And he cometh the third time, and he saved, and he lies, and let us go. It doesn't say in that passage... But what did God, what did the Lord Jesus Christ say to his Father? Never, Nevertheless, never will, not my will, but his will. Right there, right that moment, Jesus overcame the world. Right there, when he submitted his will to the Father to be offered up at that sacrifice. Even at the cross, Satan thought he had him, amen? He looked a complete and utter failure on every account he was. They they snarled at him. He was abused by one side of one's feet and one side of him and the other looked at him and said, well, this man has done nothing amiss. But there was nothing really where you could really say that Jesus looked like he was an overcomer, but he had something that the world didn't have and that was a will to submit to the Father. Last week we looked at the fact that when Jesus came in John chapter 12 verse 13, he, when they took the branches of palm trees and what was prophesied in the Old Testament And went forth to meet him, and they cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Even right there, you can see the glory of God, and right there, Jesus Christ did not allow them to make him king. Amen. It wasn't prophesied, it was prophesied. You see a partial prophecy of what will happen, he will come back. Amen. And the Lord never ever spoke in common sense. He always spoke in revelation sense, meaning that common sense would have been well, it's prophesied in the Old Testament. They're, they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. But Jesus never spoke in, in common sense. He spoke in revelation sense because what was he sent to do first of all? To die for us. Amen. He was sent to be saviour before king. And I think there's something here to... We can get a lesson from here. That in life, being an overcomer is one thing. But John here makes something even more clear for you and I as a believer... Because he said, overcome them. And the idea then is that God tells us to try every spirit, whether they be of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. He said, we have overcome them because greater is he that's in you. And by the way, who is the one in you? Jesus Christ, amen. He is the one in us. And in, in verse five of verse John, he says, The world heareth them because they do not know the one who overcame the world. Can I can I get at least an Amen out of that? This world does not know the one who truly overcame the world. That's what he said. These things have I spoken unto you, that in that ye might have peace. Speaking to his disciples, he said, I'm speaking this unto you that you might have peace. In the world he shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You know, the world do not know that, do they? They have no idea that Jesus Christ has overcome the world. They don't even know that God has already saved the world by the way of propitiation. They just have to receive him as their saviour and then for those who have received Him, then we can now walk as as believers and we can overcome. He says in verse 6, We're of God, he that knoweth God, heareth us. He that is not of God, heareth not us. Hereby know knowing we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You know what Jesus actually told you and I to do as sheep? Follow him. i get an amen out of that. <laughs> follow him. Well, listen to me. Are we his sheep? Do we know his voice? Does the world know his voice? No. But we are his sheep. We, are, we know his voice. And all the Lord ever told any of us to do was just to follow him. He didn't ask us to do anything else but just to follow the Lord. That's pretty neat, really, if you think about it. And you say, well, that's very simple, Simon. Yeah, I know it's simple, but it's a little bit different when you put it into action, amen? But we are to follow him because we know his voice. We can overcome them. And when you think about it, is it fair enough to say, to overcome anything, can I say this, is it a choice? It's our choice, isn't it? So when he said, try the spirits, whether they be of God, whose choice is it? Our choice. Amen. Our choice. Whether it be of God or not of God. That choice has always guided me as a believer because I'm going to fellowship with those we believe that he was God manifest in the flesh. Amen. And it's without controversy. God was manifest in the flesh. It's not an argument. In other words, it's a mystery that the Lord was God manifest in the flesh, preached on scene of angels and caught up to glory. It's, I think it's in 1 Timothy 3.16 or 2 Timothy 3.16 where you can read that. Come over to Galatians chapter 6 with me for a moment. And right at the moment you have a, I'm sure that most of you are aware of it, <laughs> there's a bit of a conflict going on in Israel. Is there never, ever a, not a conflict going on in Israel? <laughs> Did God give the land to Jacob's descendants? That one piece of land God gave it to them. The Old Testament is always about leading them back into the land. You remember Joseph. They hid in Egypt while the the famine was on but then Joshua and Caleb and Joshua led them back into the land. That was their land. That was uh, the land that God told Abraham to go for a little walk, amen? (laughs) And he trotted out that little area. And um, as Brother Mike said, he gave that piece of land to the Jews and he gave the rest of the world to the Gentiles. You can have a lot, but my people can have that bit there. And that's how the Lord works sometimes. Well, He does work, not sometimes, He does. So, when they went into the when they went into the land after wandering around in the in the wilderness for forty years, and they finally did cross Jordan. And you remember AI? I think it was AI. No, Jericho. Remember Jericho? There was Rahab the harlot in there. She hid the spies and. When they did go to that city, they walked around it seven times and the wall fell in. And the Jews took over Jericho. But that little harlot said something that I thought was really interesting. They knew that they were in God's land, they said they feared the God of Israel. And when Israel went into the land of flowing of milk and honey, what did they do with the inhabitants? Drove them out. There was no such thing as citizenship, amen? <laughs> okay. No citizenship here. Out you go. But we know there are other problems that occurred when they went into that land. But here in Galatians chapter 6 you have Paul and we'll pick this up in verse 11, down to verse 11. So you have Paul writing, he wrote to the Galatians, he was very concerned that they had begun in the spirit but they had been overtaken by the flesh, the circumcision had come in. And they decide those believers to go back under the law. So Paul, writing to them, because he's the one who's given the revelations of the New Testament for both Jew and Gentile, he writes to them, he says, you see how large a letter I've written unto you with my own hand. So this one wasn't written for him, this one he wrote himself, he sent it. As many as decide to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. So the jews had moved into the believers here they the circumcision wanted them to the uncircumcision to be circumcised paul said listen they want to make a fair show in the flesh they want to they want to do this to you and they and they want to glory in your flesh to make a fair show in the flesh they constrain you to be circumcised. And then Paul says, only lest they should suffer persecution for what? The cross of Christ. Only unless they suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Believer, the world does not like you. The world hates the Christian. Amen. Yeah, because we suffer persecution for the cross of who? Jesus Christ. Before I read on here, are those Jews, the descendants of Jacob, are they suffering persecution for the cross of Christ? No, amen, they're not, are they? Those Israelites, you know, the ones over there that have been attacked and I thought, man, when Hamas did that, you know, I thought, they bit off more than they could chew. (laughs) And Israel's gone in there like it's hell on earth, amen, it's... They've gone in there. They're not going to have this thing happen to them again. But let me just say this to you. The Jews are not being persecuted for the cross of Christ. They're not. What did they do with, what did they do with their Messiah? Rejected him. What did, what did they allow Pilate to do to Jesus? Crucify him. But God forbid... Paul said that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. See, they wanted to glory in someone else's flesh, but Paul said, "I'm not going to glory in other people's flesh. What they can get you to do, I'm going to glory." In the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth of anything, nor uncircumcision but a new creature. But And as many as walk according to this rule, peace. And let notice the next verse in, in verse 16. Peace be on them and mercy upon who? On who? The Israel of God. Who's the Israel of God? We are. The believers, Jew and Gentile, we are now called the Israel of God. What do we suffer persecution for? The cross of Christ. The Jews are not suffering persecution for the cross of Christ. What's the problem? They haven't. Turned to God. If you just put the church out of the way for a moment, do you know what ushers the second coming of Jesus Christ? Do you know what brings him back? When they turn to him. When those Jews turn to Jesus Christ he then will come back. That's not happening yet. Now, I'm not talking about us being raptured out of here, okay? Don't misunderstand me. But they haven't turned to God yet. They're not suffering for the persecution of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm crucified unto the world, and so should we as believers. Have you noticed that the world... And God said, love not the things of the world, for the love of the Father is not in him. Have you noticed that the world doesn't like, does the world love Israel or do they hate them? <laughs> can, I a, can I get a big, they what? Hate them, okay? They hate them. They do. They, most of this, the spirit of this world wants to annihilate them wants to shove them out. You now the Bible says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be always ready to give an answer for the hope that life within you. So he says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart, always being ready to give an answer to them that ask of you the hope that lies within you, which is Christ. I learned a long time ago that when I was saved as a young younger Christian, that verse meant a lot to me. And I thought I'm going to sanctify him in my heart. Means I'm going to separate anything else in my life as Jesus Christ. Nothing else, just him. I remember when I had the Pie Van, there was a there was a it was a panel beating shop in those days. And i tell you, guys, you could, you could drive down the driveway from the top of this hill down and you could hear them swearing. I've never heard a group of people that could swear as much as those guys do. You could hear them a mile away. And I'm, I've got my little pie van, I've got my little chick tracks there and I'm thinking, oh dear, <laughs> I'm not too sure about this mob. I mean, they were rough as they were as rough as you could get. I felt sorry for them, actually. But one of them came and he said, Simon, why don't you swear? Because it the Lord God where? In my heart. What was he asking? What is the reason of the hope that life within you? And I thought that was pretty neat and... Um, I don't think I did a very good job of witnessing to him, (laughs) okay? But I thought it was a pretty neat witness and an understanding. So when he says, so when John said, greater is he that's in you, that's in the world, we can overcome. And we can overcome because we're in Christ Jesus, amen? And he was the one who overcame. And because he overcame and because he's in us, we also can overcome, and that's what he's saying, greater is he that's in you than that he's in the world. So aren't you thankful that we're in Christ Jesus and there's nothing then, therefore, that we can't overcome? Meaning that we do not have to listen to the world, we do not have to listen to false prophets, we do not have to be carried away um, we do not have to be carried away. And isn't it interesting when you read your Bible that Jesus Christ is in the Garden of Gethsemane? What happened in the first garden? Sin entered into the world by who? Adam. Here's the second Adam in the garden. Submitting his will to the Father therefore opening the door to salvation for all that we can then overcome. And I thought about this, you know, I thought about this whole thing about overcoming and under, looking at this thing and thinking, yeah, right, okay. I kind of get it, Lord, I, I have a choice. I can, I can crucify my flesh, I can crucify my thoughts. I understand that you're in us by faith. I understand that we are... In Jesus Christ by faith, you said it in the Bible. I understand that since by death, by man came death, which was Adam, I get that. By man came also the resurrection of the dead, which is Christ. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ Jesus shall all be made alive. And I, I get those things. I understand those things. I know you too too, because you know the Bible, amen. But I got to thinking about this and I am thinking, well, okay, Lord, why don't we overcome? (laughs) Can I get at least one little... (laughs) Can can I just... Why don't I overcome? Why don't you? (laughs) You know the Scriptures, don't you, you idiot? (laughs) I've known the Bible for 40 years. I've known the Lord can work in me. I know he works in you, but why can't we sometimes overcome? Because he said, try every spirit, whether they be of God. Because your Christian life and my Christian life is spiritual. It's not just doctrinal. You and I are in a spiritual warfare. We're not home yet, Amen. God of, the God, God of this world still owns the kingdoms of this world. They're not our lords yet. And they're going to be. And I realised the reason I can't always overcome is because I had the wrong spirit. I'm trying to give you a good example when I don't have the right spirit. I think Jan could find a few. <laughs> Probably something like kill him, <laughs> You know, something like some sort of a frustration or something of that nature maybe. And we don't always overcome. But Jesus is our example. And he actually says in 1 John 2.6 where, chapter 2 verse 6 of that book, when John's writing he said, he said to us, he said, He that say if he abideth in him ought, him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. In other words, if you and I say we are abiding in Christ, we are in him, we know we're in him, we're going to abide in him, then John says you need to ought to walk as he did. And, of course, Jesus Christ was our example. So I need to understand then how did he walk. And I'm going to show you how he walked Because he had the spirit of God, because he was God, but there's something greater that happened in the garden because what did Jesus do with his will to the Father's will? He submitted his will to the Father's will. See, we don't overcome because we don't always, can I get a big word out of you? Submit. We do not submit. Submission is a really hard word, have you noticed, these days. I always find it between the male and the the marriage thing, you know. You know, they always come up with, the woman's got to be submitted. Well, listen here, you idiot, I need to be submitted too. To God. All that kind of stuff. You've heard it before, I know. But however... I need to say, Lord, I need a a submitted will to your will. I need to have the Spirit of God, which is submission to the written word. That's what the Spirit of God is. The Spirit of God is submission, submission to the written word. Jesus said, how can these things be so? How cannot the scripture be fulfilled when they came to take him? Remember, Peter was going to cut off... Well, he did. He was going to stop them from taking Jesus Christ. We need to learn to have a submissive will. And the other day I was thinking about this and do you remember in Isaiah where he said, my thoughts are not your thoughts? My ways are not your ways? Who knows the verse? And his ways aren't our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And I got to thinking, I thought, well, Lord, then... Can you make your thoughts my thoughts? Can I think like you for a moment? Can you make your ways my ways? Hmm. I meant it. I was serious. because I realise that our submission to the Lord is all that really matters. It's our submission to him, and that's why he said, follow me. So when we're submitted to the Lord's will, that's all that really matters. As Chambers says, that's the journey. That's the beginning and the end. What do you mean? As soon as you submit to his will, the journey is finished. It's just bringing us to a place where we can submit to his will. So we need to understand that as the believer, you need to realise that we need to submit to his will. If you think about Jesus himself, he said in Hebrews, he said, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. You consider when he submitted his will there in the garden, those verses are saying, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest he be wearied and faint in your minds, you have not resisted under blood, striving against sin. When you think about what the Lord actually submitted Himself to, <laughs> the contradiction—the contradiction of sin—is against Himself. Can you imagine the darkness that came over Calvary from about twelve o'clock midday to three o'clock in the afternoon? That darkness was not something getting in the way of the Son. That was the sin of the world put upon the Son of God, amen? That's what he submitted himself to when he submitted his will to the Father. That's why Isaiah says, it pleased the Lord to who? Bruise him. Now, let's be honest, guys. Surely are we above our Lord and our Master? If that can happen to him, why can't that happen to us? I'm not wishing that happens to any of us. <laughs> but I'm saying our submission to his will is God's will. And he is a picture then of how much we need to be submitted to his will. Now, now so far this sounds kind of negative, doesn't it? But who's can who here? Just be honest with me for a moment. Who here? Who's here? Tried to take charge of their own life. <laughs> 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 all of us, amen. <laughs> Even um, <laughs> yeah, we've all tried to take charge of our own life, amen. How's that gone for you? Has it worked out really wonderful? <laughs> We're getting a few laughs, aren't we? Because when you do submit your will to the Lord, he knows best. That's the point. And I don't think God ever does anything to his children that's going to hurt us. I always think he's going to do something for us that's going to actually benefit us by our will being submitted to him. I don't think it's a negative message at all. But it is far better when we allow the Lord then to get into something and allow him to have his will and maybe not our own way, and sometimes that's tough. I know that. I, I understand the reality of those things. Come over to Hebrews chapter 13 with me. Hebrews chapter 13. Yeah, so Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13. Paul said this as well about, about us. He said, I think it's, important. I think it's an important uh, lesson to take here of um hebrews i have got to go back a couple of books okay hebrews chapter f- verse 13 verse 13 i'll put this in verse 12 to put it back in context for a moment he says wherefore jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood now this is calvary Suffered where without the, the gate. Where did they crucify Jesus? In Jerusalem or outside? Outside on the outside. So, so he, to sanctify the people, he with his own blood he suffered without the gate. Paul says, "This let us go therefore, go forth therefore unto him, without the camp, bearing his reproach." Now listen, outside the camp. What camp was? In the centre of Jerusalem, the Pharisees, the religion, the Jews, the corrupt religion of the day, they had removed faith out of it and where did they suffer? Where did Jesus suffer outside the camp? You know what he says to us? If we are going to overcome, and here's the word, if we are going to overcome Them now listen. If we are to overcome them, we need to go. Let us go outside the camp, where he says here. So he says, without the camp, bearing his reproach, for here we have no continuing city. Amen. This is not our home. We're just a passing through. But we seek one to come. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving. Thanks to his name. What do you mean, Simon? What are you talking about? If you're going to be and overcome them, you're going to need to separate yourself from other believers. (laughs) I'm going to say it again. If you're going to overcome them, you're going to have to separate yourself from other believers. What do you mean? That's what John's talking about. He says, try the spirits whether they be of God. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not of God. So therefore, I need to learn to separate myself from the wrong spirit. Can I get an amen out of that? But when you separate yourself from other believers or other types of Christian worship, what's going to happen to you and I? They're going to persecute you. What do you mean, brother? You're not. You're not. Uh, what's that word they say? You're not doing the party line. You know what I mean? The the idea if you're not with them, you're against them. That kind of deal. If you don't walk with them, then there's something wrong with you. Do you know that a lot of churches work on this work on this premise? If you're not part of that church, you, if you are not part of that church you are not right with God. Really. (laughs) But if you are part of them, you're right with God. And guess what? They're the ones who've got the wrong spirit, amen? They're the ones who deny Jesus Christ came in the flesh. They're the ones who think that religion makes you and I right with God. It doesn't. Can I get an amen at it does not that's what Paul says i glory in the cross the world crucified unto me that's what he's saying the center of the believer is not looking forward the center of the believer is looking back to jesus christ and the cross can i get an amen out of that stop looking at the rapture everyone <laughs> Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. you're not going to overcome by looking at the rapture because you're wanting God to overcome. Amen. The only way we overcome is looking back at the cross. That's what Paul's talking about. That's why he said, that's why he said very clearly, he said he said unless they suffer persecution of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, unfortunately, that the the Jews at the at the moment are not suffering persecution for the cross of Christ. But can a Jew get saved today? Yes, and they have to come the same way as you and I do, don't they? I think you can pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I don't have any problems with that. But I think we should start praying that they get saved. Or at least something starts to turn where they then start to look for God. Now, there's a mystery in the Bible. It's called blindness in part have happen, happened unto Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. I think that's Romans 9 or 11. So one of the mysteries in the Bible is blindness in part have happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. The Gentiles is not the church. That's the Gentile nations. That began with Nebuchadnezzar when they were carried off into captivity the Jews. That's going to come to an end because God is going to get sick of these... Is going to get sick of the Gentile nations and then you get the Antichrist. that He's going to pour out uh, and judge the nations. But blindness in part have happened to Israel. Somewhere along the line there is that God will lift the blindness from them. He will open their eyes. Amen. And they... Will turn to their Messiah, and then Jesus Christ comes back in the meantime, you and I I think just need to stay walking with the Lord, keeping in mind that we're in a spiritual battle i'm going to I'm going to glory in the cross of jesus christ I'm going to glory in my Savior I'm going to sanctify him in my heart, and I'm also going to realize this that sometimes Separation is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Because sometimes it's better off to be separated from some things. And that's what First Peter said. He said, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be, uh, that's not the one, he said, where they think it's strange that you run not with them. He says, sanctify is, I think sanctification is a good thing. Sanctification just basically means you're separated unto the Lord. That's what that means. Now, even though we might not have a church here next year, amen, But you can take that with you anywhere you go. You can sanctify the Lord God in your heart wherever you are, amen? And I think they're the lessons we need to take with us. And we need to keep in mind that we're not not living, we're living in a different time now and we might suffer persecution for Jesus Christ. And finally, I will put it this way to you. When you look at the garden, it's not easy for me to say we're not continuing guys, it isn't. But in the garden, what did Jesus do with his will? Surrendered it. Surrendered his will to the Father's will. And that's the key, is when we surrender our will to his will. Problem is, his will is not always our will. And I think when you look at the garden, till the Lord returns, and hopefully that is soon, amen, we need to look back and think, okay, I need to have a spirit of submission to overcome them because you are in a spiritual battle. The devil will fight. The false brethren will appear. They will. I don't know where they come from, but they do. <laughs> and the second one is, you need to realise that in the garden was surrender. And here's the great thing about surrender. It's not the easiest thing to do. It's sometimes the hardest thing to do. I said to Mike, I'd never ever sleep. I'd never ever live in a caravan park. You should never ever say never, amen. (laughs) Not only that, I said, this was in Mount Eisen. I always remember the lesson because we were looking after a little church up there and I just wanted to find a place I could rent. And there's no way, Lord, I'm going to work in Coles or Woolworths, whatever it was up there, and and live in a caravan park. But just so happened the Lord didn't have anything to rent in Mount Isa. I I mean, you know, the Lord has a sense of humour here. <laughs> yes, it's, you can laugh at me, unless it happens to you, okay. But then we find a caravan park. But guess what? There was no caravans available either. A tent. So now I'm living in a tent. Now i got I admit the climate up there is a lot easier than here, all right. And I had to keep moving the tent around because the tent would kill the grass. So the the owners, you know, so I had to move home all the time. I'm working in coals up there and then for some time finally a caravan did come up. Well, guess what? I didn't want to get out of my tent. (laughs) I was quite happy in my tent. I didn't want to move into a caravan, you know. Lord, I'm sorry, I know I'm a very difficult person at times. You get it? Amen? I don't know how the Lord's ever worked with me because, man, when I get my mindset on something, that's it. And then the Lord says, never. But isn't it interesting when you surrender? And here I was living in a tent in Mount Isa. And you couldn't get me out of it. And I think what I learned from that was that what we think is good for us It's generally not. (laughs) It's generally not. The Lord said, that's not good for you, Moira. This will be good for you. So when you come to 1 John, when you read that, have a think about what he says. We can overcome them. I think to overcome them is to not worry about the world's opinion. That's one thing. Don't worry about whether we have a reputation or not. But when we overcome them, because greater is he that's in you. Let's close with our last hymn, I think it is. We've got 218, amen, 218.